Good morning, church family. Uh, please remain standing for the reading of God's word. My name is Scott, and I'll be reading from Second uh, Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning, church family. Oh, what a tender and wonderful time of worship already, amen? Uh, just uh, thank you for Jason and leading us in that. And it was just, it was really touching for me this morning because uh, last weekend I was down with a group from our church in El Salvador and we were uh, ministering to missionaries down there. We were helping Mike and Brittany Peterson uh, put on the annual gathering conference for missionaries in El Salvador. And it was sweet to be with those missionaries, but in a real uh, kind of profound way, I was like homesick uh, last weekend. I was the one who was doing the teaching at the conference, and so I did four sessions. But even though we were worshiping on Sunday, it was like, oh, I'm not with my church family, you know? So it was sweet to be with the missionaries, but I, but I missed you all. And uh, again, just thank you so much for your support. We've been going down there for 10 years and uh, it's really, it's an incredible thing. And I can't tell you how deeply it impacts those missionaries to see us as a, as a team come down time and again. We primarily uh, lead the worship down there and then take care of the, the children's program for all the missionary kids. So for about 72 hours, we have a team that is just working with children, you know, babies all the way through high schoolers so that the missionaries can enjoy the conference and have some time of relaxation. Uh, like on Saturday, uh, we have the kids for 13 hours straight. And by we, I mean the team I was teaching doing other things. Uh, but I want to tell you, there was a new missionary family there this year. They'd been on the field for about six months. And on Saturday, we had a time for the missionaries just to kind of share what was in their hearts and minds as a, as a group, and they're very transparent. And this mother, in the midst of our time together, uh, she started talking, and, and she was just expressing thanks to the team, and then she just started crying. She just started bawling. She says, I was not, this is my first time here, I was not anticipating crying in front of all of you. But she said, you know, uh, my husband and I in the last six months, we've only been able to go on one date together since we've been down there, just one evening away. And to come here and to watch our boys be so loved on by your team and them smiling and enjoying themselves and then us just being even able to have hours together in a day, she said, I had no idea how desperately we needed that. And, uh, and, and all the other missionaries who had experienced it all of the years previously were like, yep, yep, we know, we know. And they told me to come back and to say thank you to the church for so faithfully sending teams down year after year. They said, uh, if you can do it, Dave, please let them know how much we, we love your church and, and what you do. And the fact that so many come down, the same group comes down time and time again just means so much. And, uh, 
And one of the sweet things when you do something like that over 10 years and you do the children's program uh, is, is something that we got to see on, on the last day. I want to show you a picture of something that, that took place. Uh, here we are out the ocean, and uh, out there in the water is Pastor Paul, and the young man that's with him is Ellis. And Ellis and his family have been coming to the gathering uh, for, for years, ever since he was a little boy. He's a junior in high school now, uh, and so like since he was about nine, they've been coming to this. And since Paul's been going down there year after year, he's built up a relationship with this young man. And uh, a few months before we were going to come down, he called up Paul and he said, uh, I would love it if you would be the one to baptize me. You've had such a big impact in my life in coming down here and shaping my, my growth in the Lord. And so would you uh, baptize me? And so he was joined with his dad and, and they baptized uh, Ellis there. And it was just such a beautiful thing to, to, to see. And and, you know, I remember Ellis when he was just a little kid, you know, and now he's becoming this, you know, this, this young man. And, and that's one of the sweet things about going down there year after year is you see these, these little ones, some of them were seven when we first came, now they're 17. And you see them grow and develop. And, and it got me thinking about what we're going to look at today because here's something fun. If, if we were going down there year after year, and one of those little kids who was seven at the time, 10 years later, still looked like and was still the size of a seven-year-old 10 years later. What would we think? Uh, well, something's wrong here. <laughs> we anticipate that children are going to what? Grow. They're, they're, they're going to develop. And, the, and this is in all areas of, of life. Like if you plant a, a sapling, you know, a little oak tree like, like this, right? Like you anticipate that if it's fed and watered and it gets sunlight, it's going to grow and it's going to become an oak tree, something like that. Like we anticipate little things that God has created, they intend to to grow. Uh, you know that we have a couple of dogs at home. This is not a picture of our dogs, but you anticipate a puppy. Everybody get it out of your system. Oh, okay, great. You know, they, they, you know, that's a, you know, a puppy lab is going to grow into a, a big dog, right? It's, it's just growth happens and it's a sign of health. It's a sign of that things are happening the way that they should. And so if you see a puppy not growing, you think, something's wrong. If a sapling doesn't grow, you think something is wrong and something needs to be addressed. We anticipate and expect growth. You put your kids in school and you hope that two years later they know more than what they did originally, right? There's academic growth, there's physical growth. Well, today we're going to be looking at God's Word and we're going to be considering something that we believe as a church is essential to our being and making disciples of Jesus Christ and that's this thing that we call spiritual growth. Now, we've been talking as a church these weeks. We took a break from our study of the Gospel of Luke, and we're just looking at right now what we believe God calls us to as a church. Does God have a mission and a purpose for your life and my life and for our church collectively? Like, are they one and the same thing? And we say, when you look at God's word, the answer is yes. We were made, we exist to, to, to glorify God. And so we have as our mission statement these words. Um, our mission as a church, we believe in as individual believers, is to glorify God by being and making disciples of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We believe that we were made for his glory. Sin messed that up in our lives, and yet Jesus Christ comes into the world to save us, to redeem us, to cleanse us, so that once again we can be these image bearers who live for him. That's why we need to be disciples of Jesus, and we need to make disciples of Jesus, because the only way any human being can live to the glory of God is if they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they live fully in him. 
And so this is what we've been talking about as a church. But we've been saying, like, to be and make disciples, what does that look like on a practical level? Like, what is it, how do I know if I'm living in this new life in Jesus Christ? And, and, and as a church, we've kind of, we shrunk it down to sort of like four things. Four things that are essential to being a disciple of Jesus and making disciples of Jesus. And two weeks ago, I shared the first one, which is we gather. We gather for corporate worship. That if we're made to give him glory, then what we're doing right now, what we did this morning in singing songs of praise is, is exactly what we were made for. We need this time. We were made for this time. We weren't made to experience our relationship with the Lord in isolation, but in community. And so, so we gather for corporate worship. It keeps before us who our God is, who we are in relationship to him, and how we need one another. And then we saw last week when Pastor Jason preached about that we go into the world proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we just aren't a whole huddle we just don't get together and say isn't God so great isn't he wonderful and we're just looking at each other and we're praising him no we go out into the world with that good news because it is good news of great joy for how many people all people that's what we learned during the Christmas season and so we're people who go fulfilling the commandments of our Lord Jesus Christ as he said go into all the world and and make disciples but then today what we're going to hone in on is is this next aspect not only do we gather not only do we go but we're people who grow we're called to grow spiritually in our knowledge and application of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That, that, that there is this ongoing need as disciples to not stay as we were, but just as there's physical growth, just as there's intellectual growth, just as we see trees grow, as we see dogs grow, as we see people grow, so too there's a spiritual aspect of, of who we are that God calls us to. That we are people who, if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus, we should anticipate, we should expect this thing we call spiritual growth. And so what we're going to explore right now and the time that we have this morning is kind of like four things as, as we examine this. We're going to look at what spiritual growth is. We're going to look at why it is important, how it is that we experience spiritual growth, and then finally, how it is that you, you measure it. We wholeheartedly believe that if I'm a disciple of Jesus... There should be spiritual growth in my life. But to begin with, we've got to answer the question, what are we talking about? When I talk about spiritual growth, do we have the same thing in mind? Do we know what we mean when we say that, that those who look to be followers of Jesus are, are those who grow spiritually? Fortunately for us, we, kind of, we don't have to guess at it. In fact, God's word is, is pretty clear. We're going to be jumping around to a lot of passages. And, and so uh, all of the scripture should be in your notes this morning. But the, the first place I want to begin, if we're going to look at what is, what is spiritual growth, is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. This is one of those like straightforward passages when you answer the question, what is spiritual growth? Peter, inspired by God, says this, but grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can just stop right there. He goes on to say, to him be both glory now and to the day of eternity, amen. But, but look at what Peter says. But, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're to, to grow in Jesus Christ, but in two ways. Do you notice this? And I think it's really interesting. We're to grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the what? Knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, what are you talking about here? It's fascinating to me that what Peter is honing in on is how spiritual growth is both something which is experiential, something that is lived out, but it's also something that is intellectual. When he talks about growing the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, grace is the thing that God ultimately gives to us. It's, it's that which we do not deserve. And so Peter's saying, I want you to grow in knowing more of what you have received because of Jesus Christ. And I want you to experience that in your life, but I just don't want you to have this. It's not just experiential, it's, it's knowledge. 
there's, there's a knowing of him and there's a living it out. And so when we, when we think about this, we think about how Paul says the same thing in Colossians chapter 2. Therefore, Paul says, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So you've received him, now walk in him. But look at the illustration he uses. He's going to use this, this nature metaphor, this, this, this plant metaphor. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Paul saying the same thing as Peter. Look, to know Jesus, to experience him in your life is to be established in him, but you just don't stay there. There's this, there's this being built up. There's this growth that happens. As a tree grows, it has deep roots, which are going deeper, but it's also, it's also growing upwards. And so you should be seeing this change in your life. He would write to the church in Ephesus. He would switches the imagery. He goes from a, from a plant tree metaphor to ultimately to the body metaphor. In Ephesians 4, he says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to, oh, look at it, grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body, what? Grow so that it builds itself up in, in love. Over and over again, you see this idea of if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you should be seeing yourself growing spiritually. And specifically, this is how we kind of define it most simply. It's growing in knowing more of Jesus and living more like Jesus. You want to talk about what spiritual growth is. It's growing and knowing more of Jesus intellectually, but living more like Jesus, experientially pushing out what we have in him already. It's not just intellectual ascent. That's not just, we're not here just about head knowledge. We're about taking that head knowledge and ultimately living it out. And this makes complete sense because church, you and I were created by God to be his image bearers, to put God on display. Sin messed, messed that up. Jesus Christ comes in. He forgives us our sins. He cleanses us. But we still walk in the old patterns. We still have these fleshly desires that we battle against. And so what are we doing here in our spiritual growth is we're putting off, we're, we're, we're putting to death more and more of that old self and we're putting more and more of Jesus on display. Theologians call this sanctification. Like justification is the thing where you are declared righteous before God. Your sins are forgiven and before God, he declares you as right and holy before him. But as I said, we still live in a world where, yes, Jesus has freed us from the power of sin. Yes, he has freed us from the penalty of sin. But the presence of sin still remains. And, and we struggle and we battle against that. And so what we're trying to do here as we grow spiritually, as God knows, that we're working out our salvation with fear and with trembling and we're, we're looking to put Jesus on display. We're looking to, to demonstrate words and actions that look different than what we had experienced before we came to know Jesus Christ. We're looking to put the righteousness that he's given us on display. Now, <clears throat> praise God, there's another theological teaching in the Bible which is called glorification. Do you know what glorification is? Glorification is that wonderful day when we will experience the fullness of our new lives in Jesus Christ, when the presence of sin will be done away with in this world and we will know him fully and, and we won't have this struggle. But until that day comes, we continue to grow. So you've got the author of Hebrews who says it this way, therefore leave, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ 
and go on to what? Maturity. Now, now what's the author of Hebrews saying there? He's not saying don't leave Jesus Christ behind. He's saying take what you know of Jesus Christ in more deeply. It's why Paul prays for the church in Ephesus that you would know more the love of Christ and you would know the power of God in you so that you and I can put it on display so that we can live it out. In fact, one of my favorite passages is so simple. It's 1 Thessalonians 4.3. For this is the will of God for you, your sanctification. Like this is God's desire for you. It's, it's his desire for me. The person who claims to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior is a person who continually grows in living out who they are because of Jesus. This is what we're talking about when we say what spiritual growth is. Now, I'm going to try an illustration. The second hour might not get it. You guys are going to get it, so you'll have to tell me if it works or not, all right? Remember how I said that, like, my great-grandfather was a sculptor and he was a great artist and everything like that? You're about to see how those gifts did not transpire to or transfer to his great-grandson. So, so this is, you know, just a, a whiteboard I, I have here. I always steal this from John Walter's office. Thanks, John, uh, once again for that. We're gonna, oh, you know, I'm going to go this way. There we go. Is this going to? No. John, how does this work? Do I, just, do I just do it this way? No. No. Somebody's like, help the man. No, I'm good. There we go. This is why you're like, don't use this illustration in the second hour. So God calls us to be his image bearers. Do not sin by critiquing me here. Okay, ready? Here we go. So, so, so you, gotta, you got us as human beings. All right, listen, I told you, okay? I told you. My grandfather was the well-known. Okay, that's a human being, okay? Bear with me here. God has created us to be his image bearer, but then all of a sudden into our lives we're born as sinful beings. We have a sinful nature, and so the image of God is marred in every single one of us. it's, It's all over the place. We are not reflections of him like we are called to be. You tracking with me? Now, here's the thing. When we talk about spiritual growth, when, when God's word says, I, my, the will of God is your sanctification, like we were created to bear his image, but, but like a mirror being smudged doesn't, isn't an accurate reflection. Spiritual growth is you and I coming and growing in such a way that, that we are literally cleaning off if you will, so that we can put more and more on display who he is. It's, it's seeing the things in our life which would, aren't manifestations of the righteousness we have. See, see here's who we are. We're, we're righteous in him. But, but we have this, this lingering effects of, of sin in us and, and we're, we're looking to the Lord to ultimately be the one who, who works in us so that our spiritual growth day by day, you and I are looking more and more like we were created to be. And that is a process, just as it's a process for me to, to wipe this all off, our growth is so that one day when we get to glory, we will, we will be those perfect image bearers of him once again. But, but to think that for you and for me that this isn't a, a process is to miss what the scriptures say. You, you got to grow up in him. Now, now, I hope that you see that actually as I'm doing this, it's leading us to this very next question, which is, which is this. Are you seeing why spiritual growth is important? That's what I want to talk about next. Like, why is spiritual growth important? If spiritual growth is, is growing in our knowledge and application, looking and living more like Jesus day by day, do you know why it's so important? Look at what Jesus says. We're going to spend a beat here and get John's gospel. John in John 15, 
quotes Jesus as saying these words. You've heard this before, but now think about it based on what we're looking at today. I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear, what church? More fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. John, Jesus coming and saying, make no mistake, it's the work that I do that has cleansed you completely. And so abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much what? Fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What is Jesus talking about here? In its most basic, simplistic form, Jesus is saying, if you're in me, your, your life has been made new. If you're genuinely in me, you've become attached to me, and there is fruit that's manifested in your life. There are things that are different about you than there were previously. It's because of what I've done. I've, I've come in. But if you don't see that fruit in your life, what is Jesus saying? If there's not a manifestation of this change and this fruit in your life, he literally says, you don't abide in me. And so the, the, the reason why spiritual growth is important is that, I'm going to say this, this is going to seem strong, but it's what God's word teaches. Spiritual growth, church, is evidence of our salvation. Growing and knowing more of Jesus and living more like Jesus, day by day, reflecting more of who he is, is, by the words of Jesus, a demonstration, a manifestation of his saving power in your life, in my life. And the warning that Jesus gives here is like, if you don't see fruit, if you don't see growth, if you don't see change in your life, that might mean that you were never in him to begin with. And that's, that's some scary stuff. But it's one of the reasons why spiritual growth, we take it so seriously. In fact, Jesus said it this clearly in Matthew 7, 16. You will, referring to those who are in Christ and not in Christ, you will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No. And the disciples completely understood this. In fact, Paul would say this to the church in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, he would say this. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test. Did you know that this verse was in the Bible? That God's word actually calls us to examine our lives, to examine the fruit of what we say we believe about Jesus Christ being in us, and his words there at the end are this, well, unless... Indeed, you fail to meet the test because he says if you realize that Jesus Christ is in you, if you're a new creation, the old is gone, behold, the new has, has come, then, then there should be this day-by-day day growing change in your life. It's not to say that you will be perfect. It's why every Sunday we have that time of confession as part of our worship service to remember how we need Jesus and, and how we need his forgiveness. But there's this picture of being rooted and built up in the faith, there's this growth that we should see. And it's not just Peter or Paul, it's Peter that says it. 
In 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, let me be as clear as I can be here. Peter, Paul, Jesus, they're not talking about a works-based salvation. What they're saying over and over again is if you've had this regenerative work that's come into your life, if you and I are those who participate in experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit, there should be growth, there should be change. Spiritual growth is evidence of your salvation. You know, every time uh, I go to A1 Hardware here in Valley Center and I take my youngest daughter with me, she asks one question over and over again. Can we buy seeds to plant flowers? She does this every single time. And I just bring an extra couple dollars every other time. Just I'm like, yes. Have you ever seen these seed packets? You know, unless you're a horticulturalist, right? Like you don't really, you're like, I don't, if I were to open those packets and say this seed would produce cucumbers and this seed would produce tomatoes or carrots, I would have no idea, right? Um, but if I planted them in the ground and I watered them, I took care of them, I would know exactly what those seeds were because I would see it's what? A fruit, right? I would see it grow and I would see it develop. I would know what that seed was because of the fruit that it would bear. Jesus is saying the fruit that you should see in your life if you're in me is a life that is holy, a life of righteousness. You are not who you once were. Once you were part of the kingdom of darkness, now you're part of the kingdom of, of light. And so, why do we as a church say that being and making disciples mean that we grow spiritually? It's because God's word says it. It's, it's an evidence of the salvation that we proclaim. But here's a beautiful thing. Spiritual growth helps us to live out our new lives in Jesus Christ. Did you know that? Like in God's kindness, as you are growing spiritually, as you're devoting yourself to this aspect of spiritual growth, God literally comes and says... Our spiritual growth, participating in this, it's one of the things that actually helps us. And that's why we started with 2 Peter chapter 1 this morning. You heard the scripture read. Let's go back to it for a second. For this very reason, make every effort. Does that sound like a, a lackadaisical approach to something? <laughs> make how much of an effort? Every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love, he goes on. For if these qualities are yours in ever-increasing measure, they keep you from being what? Ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Look, as you look to put on the new self, as you look to manifest these things, as you look to, to add to your faith, knowledge, and holiness, and righteousness, as, as you look to, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, God's word says your spiritual growth would actually aid you in knowing more of Jesus because when you see yourself walking in righteousness and holiness, being patient when you would have been impatient, you know who gets all the glory? Not you, Who? Jesus, you see him as, as more powerful, more beautiful. It's like, if he helped me with that, what else might he be able to do in me? And so our confidence, it grows in, in him. 
It helps us. In fact, Paul said to Timothy, it helps you actually combat sin in your life. In 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, it says this, rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. If, you're, if you give yourself over to the desire to, to grow spiritually, if you train yourself in godliness, we're gonna talk about what that looks like in just a minute. It, it helps you combat sin. And he says, listen, working out physically, it's great. Growing your muscles, growing your cardiovascular abilities, like that, that, that's all terrific. But this will benefit you the greatest of all. And in fact, as Pastor Jason shared with us last week, your spiritual growth, it helps you in another very significant area. It, it helps you in your going. Uh, Peter talks about it when he talks about sharing the gospel with, with others. In 1 Peter 3.15, he says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Come to know more of Jesus. Live out more of Jesus because as you do, you're going to have a, a better witness in the world because you'll be able to give an answer to those who so desperately need the answer. Spiritual growth, we, we see why it's so important. And, and if, if these reasons weren't enough, there's, there's one final reason why we, we're so, so bent on the importance of spiritual growth, and that's very simply because God calls us to spiritual growth. Yes, it benefits us as we look to be effective as disciples. It's an indication of our salvation, but... But God tells us, he says, it's got to be a part of your life. 2 Peter 3.18, we looked at this already. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's not a suggestion. It's not like, oh, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You should get around to your spiritual growth at some point. He says, no, what? Grow. And then he goes on in Colossians 2.16. Therefore, as you receive Christ the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted, built up, and established in the faith. This is God calling and commanding his church to be focused in on this desire to grow. It's not an option. And when, when Paul says, we saw, rather train yourself in godliness, he, he's again not making the suggestion. This is God's command. This is call. Spiritual growth is not something that you and I can be passive about. We must be engaged in this. We must see this as serious for our lives. As serious as gathering for corporate worship, as serious as going and telling others about Jesus, so too we should look to grow spiritually. But now we come to it. Great, Dave. I understand its importance. I understand what it is, but, but how do we do this? H how is it that I should experience spiritual growth in my life? Like, like we know how plants grow. I got a pretty good idea about how people grow. Feed them, water them, stick them in the sun, right? You know, it's kind of the same thing with plants. I understand how I can grow academically. I know I can grow in my skill sets, whatever they might be. I went to the hockey thing for some reason. There, just right. <laughs> but, but how do I grow spiritually? Well, let me start with this, and this is the most, the biggest blessing of my heart is this: there is nothing that God calls us to that He has not already empowered us for. And like, let that sit in for a minute. There is nothing that God calls us to that he's not already empowered us for. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. 
So whatever spiritual growth is, however we engage in it, we start with this, that God has given us the, the ability and the power to ultimately grow spiritually, that it begins and, and actually ends with, with him working in and through us. The illustration that I've used over time is to be like, we're these vessels. It's like, you can have a car and, and it can be sitting there, but if there's not gasoline in the tank, you can try and turn that thing over, but it's not going to start up. It's got, no, it's got no means, no power to get it to go. You can have a power tool, and it can be sitting in your garage, as most power tools do, unused by men. But, but, when, but when you take that power tool and you plug it in, then all of a sudden it's got, it's got the ability to be used. And, and so too, when it comes to our spiritual growth, church, God has empowered us to grow. It's the spirit that resides in you. Jesus Christ didn't just come and save you, forgive you of your sins and say, let's see how this turns out for them. He says, I'm going to give you my spirit, which is going to be inside of you, which is going to enable you, which is why when Jesus comes and says, you will know them by their fruit, if there's not change in your holiness, if there's not growth in your life, the question has to be asked, do I actually have the spirit inside of me because this right here is true. There's nothing that God calls you to that he doesn't empower you for. And so this is how it works. We see in 1 Peter chapter 1 these words, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And then you come to Titus chapter 2 verses 1 through 2. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright lives in the present age as we wait for the appearing of our glorious God and Savior. Do you see what it says here? His grace has appeared. It brings salvation. But what does it also train us to do? Renounce ungodliness. Live lives that are different. To be those who bear his image more clearly, more beautifully than we would otherwise because his grace comes. It's not just a grace that saves. It's a grace that transforms. And so then Paul, he wrote to the church in Colossae, and I love this verse. For this, referring to, to the work of the ministry, I toil, struggling with all whose energy? His energy that he powerfully works with in me. And for the Philippian church that was prone to doubt, he said, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will be what? He's gonna be faithful to complete it. See, see God is the one. It's, it's through his power at work within us. This is, this is the heart of it. Through the grace and power God provides, that's how we grow spiritually. That's where it starts. Not in our own effort, not in our own strength, it starts with him and his work in us. We rely upon him, but it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there because when you go back to what Peter had to say, he says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with, with love. What's Peter saying there? He's pointing to the other thing. Yes, God's grace and power at work within you, but make no mistake that as you look to grow spiritually, it also involves your intentional effort. You're not just along for the ride here. He says, there's a part that you and I play in this sanctification process 
of engaging in these things and, and living out who you are. We believe this in every other area of life and it's true for us spiritually. In education, we believe this is true. In athletics, we believe this is true. In our jobs, in our growing in those areas, in our health. And so this is again why, why Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, rather train yourself in godliness. Are you, are, you, are you as intentional about knowing more of Jesus and living more like Jesus as you are in every other area of your life where you desire to see growth? Because it requires us to engage in certain things. In fact, all the way down in 1 Timothy 4.15, he says, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. That's God's word coming and saying to us, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your what? Progress. Again, church, do we do these things so that God would love and accept us? The answer is no. You are loved and accepted by God. You have a righteousness that you did not receive. And so God's word says, live it out. More and more every day. Make, make more and more of the image bearer that you are on display. And if there's anything in your life, any root of sin, anything, he's like, put it to death. Get rid of it. Practice these things. Put into play who you really are. Because you know what? When you are unkind, not gentle, when you are impatient, when you lie, when you deceive, when you are sexually immoral, whatever the it is, if you are in Jesus Christ, that's not who you really are. And so we put those things away. And so what does this training effort look like? What does it look like when we actually put in this effort? Like what is, what is going to aid us in this? What, what, do we, what is necessary for our spiritual growth? I'm gonna give you three things. There's, there's more things we could say and most of these won't be a surprise to you but the very first one is this, study the word of God. What's the intentional effort? What am I to give myself to? I have no idea of who my God is and what he's done for me and what it actually looks like to live as his image bearer apart from what he has revealed through his word. And so we're a church that believes wholeheartedly that when we talk about being and making disciples, that the centrality of the word of God must be in every single one of our lives. Did you know that every single ministry we do at the church is run through this, this um, if, I, if I would say, these, these guidelines, these guiding principles of gather, grow, give, and go. There's not one ministry that we do here that says, listen, if it's not helping us to gather, if it's not helping us to grow spiritually, if it's not helping us to go, if we're not able to give, then we're not going to do that thing. And so why do we have men's Bible studies? Because there's one more thing we want you to do during the week. No, that's not it. We, we want to provide for you as a church family those areas where, where you can be exposed to the word of God outside Sunday morning. Can you do that on your own? Yes, absolutely. But there's something to experience in community. It's why we have the adult Sunday school classes that we have. It's why we have the men's breakfast. It's why we have the women's evenings. It's why we have the retreats. It's why we have children's Sunday school with age-appropriate curriculum because we believe that studying the word of God, knowing more of him, you can't look more like him. You can't know more of his power if you don't know his word. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. And so we don't just do these things to be busy. We don't do these things to check off a box. Everything that we do as a church is because we believe as the shepherds of the church that these are things that help the people of God grow. 
Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be a part of every single thing that we do as a church. Are you tracking with me on that? Because that can become overwhelming. Instead, it's to say, I understand. I understand what God is calling me to, so what of these things will help me in this? In, in fact, that's why we come to and we see that we want us to apply what you learn. It's not just studying this, but we want you to apply it. We're going to talk next week about giving. And, and giving is not just about financial giving. It's also about service. It's about how we steward our time. But when we know more of who Jesus Christ is, we shouldn't just take that information in. We want to ultimately live it out. We want to apply what we learn. Uh, one of the reasons why we have some of the small groups that we do and the ministries that we do is to give you opportunity to put into practice those things that you learn. But it's not just in the context of the church, in your homes. As you're reading and studying the word of God, as you're believing that God has given you the power to demonstrate the fruit of his spirit in every sphere of your life, like, are you putting what you learn into practice? Or are you simply a hearer of the word and not a what? Doer. God says, you shouldn't be that. And so we want to apply what we learn. And, and, and here's just one final thing. There, there's more that can be said, but I, but I think this, this is in my life and I've seen in others be transformational in our spiritual growth, which is this, help others with their spiritual growth. You want to grow spiritually. You want to train yourself in godliness. Walk alongside somebody else who, who maybe isn't as far as you are in their knowledge of who God is. When you come alongside somebody and say, hey, um, I want to grow in knowing more of Jesus and living that out, would you go on that journey with me? When you invest in other people's lives, and this can even include just your children, I mean, start there with your wife or with your husband, start within your own home. When you try and help others, see, see, something that Jason talked about last week, when you think about the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. That was not something that was given to just the professionals. The idea to go and make disciples is not just something that the pastors and elders do. That was a call for who? Everyone. And in Acts chapter 8, Jason and I were talking about this this week, when you go to Acts chapter 8, when, when persecution came to the early church, they had to scatter. And you know who stayed in Jerusalem? The apostles. Do you know who went out and shared the gospel in the surrounding towns and villages? Everybody else. And so this idea of walking alongside others, it helps us grow spiritually because we're called to be servants of, of others. And so spiritual growth, when you see it in your life, what does he say? What's the blessing of it? Number one, the blessing is you get to look more like Jesus. You get to be that light. People get to see your good deeds and give glory to God who is in heaven. But it changes relationships. And so I close with this. You might say, so, so Dave, how do I know? How do I know if I'm actually growing spiritually? Like, how do we measure spiritual growth? Well, you stand on a scale and see if you weigh more today than, no, that's not it, right? I have more presence of the Spirit. I can feel it. I'm a, no. I, I think what God's Word says is it really boils down to Galatians chapter 5 and 6 and the fruit of the Spirit. But the way I like to capture is this. How do I know if I'm growing spiritually well, it's knowing more of Jesus and living more like Jesus a year from now than we do today. How do I measure spiritual growth? Do I know more of Jesus and do I look more like Jesus a year from now than I do today? And for guys, that doesn't mean growing your beard longer. That doesn't count, all right? I'm not talking about physical appearance. I'm talking about 
that there's more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, more goodness, more self-control in your life daily than there was a year from now. And by the way, as you're looking to grow spiritually in Galatians chapter six, right after Paul talks about, about bearing the fruit of the spirit and even addressing those who are caught in sin, he says, <laughs> be careful. Be careful, Paul says. As you look to grow spiritually, don't get so proud. Go back once again to the truth that it's only by God's grace that we're able to live out any of the fruit of the Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? But for those of us that are here, church, I'm telling you, we are a light on a hill. We are the salt of the earth. And so there should be in our lives, if Jesus is truly who he says to be, if anyone is in Christ and he genuinely is, she is a new creation. That is a gift and miracle of God and it should transform us so that day by day, year by year, people see more of Jesus in us than less. May he by his power manifest that in your life and my life day by day and may it all be for his glory and honor. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, there's a, there's a balance in what we've just talked about here in that for some heart and minds, all they can hear from a message like this is do, 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 I need, I need, I need, but that, Lord, that shouldn't be the takeaway from this. Lord, help our hearts to guard against the propensity to, to hear something like this and, and think it's all about what I'm needing to do, what I'm going to do. But Lord, help us always keep before us that spiritual growth is a natural outflowing of what we already know and believe, which is that the grace of Jesus Christ has appeared. It appeared, you saved us, and that our growth spiritually and the effort that we put forward is first and foremost, your grace once again being moved in our lives. And for any one of us that are in this room, Lord, who are hearing this message and we just simply haven't taken this seriously, Oh, Lord, if there's anyone here who's just simply thought about the grace of Jesus Christ as a get free out of hell card, Lord, um, we want to repent of that today. And we want to say it's not just simply about getting heaven, Lord. It's, it's about living the lives to your glory that you have created us to live. And so, Lord, by your spirit that's at work within us, help none of us to be contented with any hidden sin, with anything in our life that is not a, a manifestation of who we really are, but instead to trust to trust that you who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it and that we would bring it before you and that, and that we would see your power on display as we bear more of the fruit every single day and every single year. And Lord, for any in this room who, who've not yet put their faith and trust in Christ, Lord, and who haven't experienced yet the newness of life, oh Lord, I pray that today would be a day that they would recognize that they can't live the righteous life they need to on their own, but that your grace has appeared to bring that salvation. And so, Lord, may they confess Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior and know the goodness that you provide. And it is only through Christ that we pray and ask these things. And all God's people said, amen and amen.